One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Today on Truth and Movies... A very special interview with filmmakers Josh and Benny Safdie. Stay tuned for an uncut, gem-filled conversation. A good time talking about heaven knows what. All coming up in Truth and Movies, a Little White Lies podcast. Hello there, movie truthers. We've been let out of the studio for a day to come and interview the Safdie brothers. Hannah Woodhead's here with me. Hello, Michael. So... We should probably set up who the Safety Bros are. If you don't know, then get off this podcast. <laughs> I, I, I dropped a few of the names of their films in the intro. You did, just a few. So, Good Time, Robert Pattinson. Why, why are we not going in order, Michael? Oh, sorry, I didn't know we were being purist about this. You, do you want to go in order? Should go we go it. in order? So, the Disputed debut, um, The Pleasure of Being Robbed, uh, Daddy Longlegs, Heaven Knows What, Good time, Uncut Gems. There we go. Mm-hmm. Uncut I Gems, s- which is now on Netflix. So The Pleasure of Being Robbed was a just over an hour long film they made. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I think, funded by Kate Spade and Jack Spade, the fashion designers. Right. But um, I still go back and forth on whether or not that counts as their debut. For mm-hmm. me, I think that Daddy Long is probably their first. It, it's the first Safties as we know them film. But yeah, I think for my money, they're kind of one of the most exciting filmmaking duos working. Mm-hmm. I mean, anyone that's familiar with this podcast or Little Allies in general has probably seen me like going off about how much I love the Safety Brothers. And so. Uncut Gems. We've spoken <laughs> a lot about Adam Sandler in that movie. We have, yeah. I mean, I, I am a Sandler stan, a Standler, as we call ourselves. And I'm sure by the time people hear this, there's going to be a lot of kind of like, oh my God, Adam Sandler's back. Maybe he never left. Like <laughs> Uncut Gems is kind of the natural progression of all his comedic and dramatic roles so far, I think. It corrals all his kind of like manic, larger-than-life characters into this world that the Safties are very familiar with, which is this hyper-stylized, frenetic New York. And I really think it's not like anything else that people mm-hmm. will have seen in the past 12 months, maybe longer. And it's the same for them, isn't it? So they're previous two films heaven knows mm. what and good time saw their profile building on the yeah. festival scale on the world scale good time in particular with art with rob pattinson yeah good time was in uh, the director's fortnight at can i want to say i think it was in competition it was in competition you know? yeah. whichever i wasn't there that was before my time i was but a young film critic so this is kind of them leveling up i mean they've said it's when they did Good Time, mm-hmm. that was the film that enabled them to get Sandler for this one. They've been trying to make good Uncut Gems for 10 years now, mm-hmm. and Sandler has always politely declined um, speaking to them. And then he saw Good Time at Cannes because it was the same year as the Myowitz stories, and yes. they were able to get a meeting with him. And it's the same with Darius... Uh, Conji, the uh, Darius Conji, uh, yes, who came to them after seeing Good Time and said if you want to take your movie making to the next like level, mm. then give me a call sometime. 
Right, that's amazing. Cause I remember, yeah. I do remember that year at Cannes. I actually reviewed both Maya at Stories and Good Time for Sight and Sound that year. And who knew that they would cross over in this I know, way? I know. If Sandler hadn't been there that year, you know, maybe he wouldn't have seen Good Time. Maybe we wouldn't have ended up with Uncut Gems. Who would know? have been in Uncut Gems? We should say that Uncut <laughs> Gems, in a similar way to Good Time, is this almost anxiety-inducing sort of yes. dramatic thriller where lead character or protagonist gets in over their head and, and just yeah. stuff, makes every wrong decision they could. Yeah, I mean, if you've seen any of the Safdie Brothers films so far, that is kind of their thing, is protagonists making poor life choices and it's painting themselves into a corner and trying desperately to get out of that corner. Mm -hmm. So we had that in Good Time, we had that in Heaven Knows What, we had it in Daddy Long Legs. But I think this feels like the most polished version of that. Mm. So I would say definitely if you're not a Sandler fan, as I am, it's worth checking out for more than that. I think it's not just a great Adam Sandler film. I think mm. it's it's just a great... If you're interested in kind of crime films, thriller films, great New York films, or basketball movies, if people, if that's a subgenre people are into in the UK, I don't know, I would definitely say it's, it's a must-see. And that's sort of where we start with this interview. We start with the research that goes into a film like this. Yes. Where Josh and Benny spent years looking into the Diamond District and the outside characters who work within it, but then also... We talk about sports and how they wanted this to have a very specific basketball context when they're looking at the, the games, the players they want to have in there. So we go in the deep end pretty quickly in this chat. Yeah, we were. They walk in the door and it, and it's uh, it's all systems go. I've never experienced an interview quite like this. I think it really is amazing because if you follow them on Twitter, you know that they're very active. Yeah, um, they share an account. They do share an account, <laughs> but they when you talk to them face to face it's almost like you're in one of their films. Yeah. The anecdotes are huge and they go on forever. <laughs> uh, the energy is so high immediately and it's so engaging and compelling and hopefully that's captured a little bit in our chat. <laughs> and now let's go to our interview recorded, as we said, remotely, so a little different sound quality-wise to what we may be used to. Josh speaks first. That does lead into what we wanted to start with. The first question yes. was how this film has been just eight ago, such a long period. Yeah. And how we wanted to see how had the story changed during that research oh period. God. Uh, you know, there's over 160 drafts of this script. <laughs> and um, it was changing until until we were locked, basically. You know, we edited the film. We added a couple. We added one or two scenes um, as a pickup. Uh, and, you know, what we after Daddy Longlegs... Daddy Longlegs, after we wrote a script to, together when, like, you know, I was 21 or something. It was a first feature script, and it was a script, script. And uh, it never got made, and that kind of left, left a weird taste. And then we got afraid of the script process. So we started to, like, heaven knows what, and Daddy Longlegs were both written um, in prose form. And, uh, you know, just it's funny to read. I was rereading it recently, rereading them, and they really still. It's exactly the movie you see, but it's just written out like a like a book almost, or uh, like a story. So this movie was the film that we wanted to follow up Daddy Longlegs with, but we knew that it was a big world, it was an expensive world, it was a materialist world, and that we needed to net a certain budget, and we weren't going to do that, and we needed to get a movie star and all, the, and because the character was had to be a star because he is a star in his own life in the Diamond District, so. We had to write a script again, and uh, you know, the first version of the script was kind of like a nostalgic. It was a lot more. There were a lot more. The, the script would go with different characters. It was episodic, yeah. yeah. It was more episodic, you know, it was, and it was and it was really, 
there was research involved in it, but it was the, the it was more tied to a feeling that we had mm. that we wanted to tap into these stories that our dad would tell us that we, you know, th- th- from his time in the dime, just when we were kids, and uh, you know, and so that first draft was our was just getting it down in, in a final draft document, and then and then over the years, the more research you do, the movies that you make as a detour, they all educate the next process, and it it went it went through I think four page one rewrites and then each character whenever we we we, once we finally got our howard (laughs) version down we would go back and do passes for each character and we would try to um at least outline the details of the characters when they're not on in on screen so you have these like the capabilities of actually doing little feature movies with each character because you know what's happening and that ended up becoming very helpful for the the character the actors when they got involved Think about it. If you're an actor, you get involved. It's like not only can we give you a character biography because we needed to do it to know that for ourselves, but we can actually tell you what's going on in your character's life when you're not on screen, which helps. Which you do that anyway as a director when you're talking. I'm like, well, this is what happened before this scene. This was happening after um, to put them in the mindset. So the years and years of, of time that went into and don't even get me started on the basketball player. <laughs> you know, like how much writing went into that. So much writing went into that. So was that always going to be a cameo from a famous real-life basketball we knew, player? Or? Well, it was never a cameo. That's well, the thing. It was never a cameo. It's a central character. Yes, exactly. Movie, yeah. That's the difference, is that we knew this person had to bring their whole personality, no matter who it was, they had to bring their whole personality and be in the, like, in the beginning of the movie. I remember I was just showing Kevin, like, there was, like, a 30-second ad. And he's in the movie, you know, he's in from the whole ad, you know, because it's, it's such an important part of yeah, it, you yeah. know, it's, it's like a bedrock, you know. We started in 2010 as Crazy Nick fans, totally inspired and, and, and enervated by, um, by, by Amari Stoudemire's uh, arrival in New York as, mm-hmm. as the Knicks, in the, on the Knicks team. And uh, he proclaimed the Knicks are back. He was the first real stup- superstar to show up in New York. So we wrote the movie around his real-life persona or the persona that he projects, and uh, he's Jewish, and, and we wanted to kind of, and as you can imagine in the theme of the movie, the Beta Israelites, the, the Ethiopian Jewish tribe, you know, that that would become something that would be an inspiration or motivation for him to have this gemstone. And then we wrote it around this eight-game uh, winning streak that the Knicks went on, this crazy per- mythic performance that, that Amari went down. And then as the time went on, we started to keep trying to update it. Then Amari, at one point, Amari had a game where he um, he got really pissed after he lost, and he punched a, um, a fire, fire extinguisher, <laughs> and he played the next game with an arm cast. So then we wrote that into the movie that after well, was- tied to when Kevin goes through the showcase <laughs> with the glass breaking. We were gonna, well, it wasn't it was, Kevin, well, it, it was Amari, so we were like, oh, no, now you can make it so that that bandage that he's playing with is tied to It was actually what the, we were trying to, showcase. when it was, we were trying to tailor the games, because we wanted to use real games, yeah. we could just, that was the perfect game to use for when his, his when he broke the showcase. <laughs> so, so, so then around 2015, you know, when we started, we went to Sandler in 2010, then we went back to him in 2015. 15-ish, and he, again, was not available, uh, quote-unquote. Um, and then we started going down the road with Sasha Baron Cohen. Around that time, you know, we were with this new agency, and they were suggesting to cast up the player part. And and uh, they said, let's, Kobe wants to act. We heard that he's interested in acting. So we're like, oh, okay, I mean, the movie centers around real games. Will a West Coast player make sense? 
we we were like, okay, you know what we'll do is again, this is a central character of the movie. You have to figure out the motivations. Okay, we found a game that in New York will center around his sixty point performance at the Garden. Okay, great. The movie will become about a man trying to get back to his greatness, a youth elixir. This gem becomes a youth elixir. Howard's trying to get back to when he was the man. And you, you spend two weeks working every day trying to like make the movie work for Kobe Bryant. <laughs> I never really believed that he would be in the Diamond District for some reason. So uh, uh, I don't know why. I just I didn't buy it. And uh, and then we finally finished it. We sent it to the agent. Like, oh, sorry, we, we he actually doesn't want to act. He wants to direct. We're like... You wasted all that time. So then we went down the road for a while with another player, uh, Joel Embiid, to make the movie contemporary. He's on the 76ers, and he's a player from Cameroon. So the themes of the movie became, you know, you can understand the themes that it's about reclamation, this thing from Africa, bringing it back, playing empowered because you have this thing. And and, uh, and then uh, it was Joel. We got to know Joel. His manager actually appears in the movie, Jenny Sachs. She plays Kevin's manager. We went to some games. It was amazing. And... Uh, then, and his humor, Joel's kind of known as kind of, uh, he was an internet troll at the time. He was trolling <laughs> Rihanna, you know, literally on, from Twitter. It was amazing. And uh, and then the production slipped into the basketball season, and we couldn't uh, shoot with an active player anymore. So we went back to the retired, recently retired list. We have to see who still looks the same. And Kevin was on the list. But Garnett, as a Knicks fan, I hated him so much. So my, <laughs> my, uh, my basketball f- fanaticism, my Knicks fanaticism eclipsed my film intelligence. <laughs> so I actually couldn't like be smart enough to realize, oh, wait a second, I hate him for a re- very specific reason because he's an incredible performer. So then we meet with Kevin. We, I told him that. I told him I hate your guts when I met him. Uh, and he appreciated that. And then Benny asked him if Amari had time on the clock, which is a sign of true Knicks delirium. He said, that was nine years ago in a regular season game. And you guys still care about it. And Tuss changes the tide of the season. It's it's funny, though, with Kevin, though, because like normally it, in like bets in movies, it's usually just the points. You know, Oh, my God, they scored so many points. And that's what you go on. But with Kevin, his game is so well-rounded. And it's rebounds, points. Tip, opening tip, all these things are important and they mean so much that it then well, it rounds off the bet and it becomes so much bigger, you know, in, in, in an incredible way. And that's also something that then changes too. Is all these little things are so interconnected, you know, that you can't really dissect them. It's I mean, funny. and then when you when you then you know you, when you actually sit down and find oh the God. games, yes, yeah, like you realize what the people what's on camera. You know, it's like what they chose and, to film, and it was tough because you know you can't you can't this actually two thousand twelve. Yeah, the, you, and you you know you just before, those games aren't really and like when you try to write for a basketball game, a big part of writing a, as a real basketball viewing you need those fan, little, little details. Of course, he's betting on all these micro details of this of this performer's game. But you, but you also there's all these little moments in the broadcast of the game itself that make it entertainment. That they're the little mm-hmm. things, the, yeah, the fans that they decide to the, show. Those are the close-ups so, of the players that's that's changing the you, momentum. We it's couldn't like, get our we couldn't Sorry, get our hands on on that broadcast. You know, we weren't we. It was a you know we we're not we couldn't approach the NBA to ask them to send us the broadcast. So we were literally so, searching all the time. And we ended yeah. up finding it through a third party in Japan, someone who just like <laughs> had them all. But we didn't find that. In until halfway through production. So we're writing those scenes kind of blindly, yeah. using highlights from the internet, not the full broadcast, so you can only write based on what you could see and imagine. But then we finally got our hands on the full broadcast, 
like you know halfway through production and you rewrite yeah, <laughs> all those scenes based on all the little details like the guy that Howard points out that says that he looks like the Phil character. Also, it's like when he sees Elton, Elton like when he sees somebody on the screen, Elton Brand or. Um, I mean, there were so many other players that we use, like Holiday, Drew Holiday, or Iguodala. There are certain <laughs> lines that you call out because when they choose to show the close-up of them, it's so visceral. It's we, like, we actually yeah. had a. There's a line that we cut uh, in the thing where, where, where Iguodala, Andre Iguodala, who went on Never to win it. multiple championships, <laughs> become an MVP yeah. in the championship. We, we there's this, there's a line that Howard said to him. It's fun to write when you know it's in the past to know what happened in the future. He goes, Iguodala is never going to be a champion. This guy's the worst player in the world. He'll never get a ring. He'll yeah. never get a ring. He can only say that. It was funny because you can only say that knowing that he did win a ring. <laughs> and Kevin, in particular, when he was doing his post-game interview that we recreated, he got transported back yeah. to 2012. He was talking about the future as if it didn't yeah, we're happen. Gonna, is this the end of the big three? It's like, no, yeah. Oh, no, we're going to be together. You know, Maybe we'll get another ring. You know, it's, it's, He was <laughs> imagining that all universe. So I want to ask you about Daddy Longlegs because we're going to screen it in January. Oh, it's awesome! Kind of, the day before it cut, before, before Gems comes out, we're doing a screening. Incredible! Because it never got a proper release here. No, it did not. So yeah. uh, we thought it would be nice for people to see. That's it. awesome! I um, didn't know that. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Well, no. now you know it. Um, <laughs> Is it going to play at thirty-five? I think there's a print of it actually. There I mean, is. There's probably get, multiple prints of that. Well, it played at Cannes. It was at yeah. the well, Cannes Film Festival. That, so. That would be incredible. At the moment, we're going to play it from a DVD. No, you so. can't do that. We're, okay. Well, we will, we we will handle that. Out. Yeah, we have um, to figure that out. Thank you, because... Yeah, I mean, it's my favorite film that you guys have made. And wow, really? Yeah, Amazing. yeah, I adore it. And I spoke to Ronald Bronstein recently mm-hmm. for that for movie, yeah. actually, and uh, it was really surreal, because I was like, oh, my God. Daddy it's actually, the irony is that we went to Sandler... Uh, with the modicum, tiny little modicum of success we had with that movie, trying to <laughs> use that, and he, and the irony is, is that he, res- yes, he, so we made contact with Good Time, but it's Daddy Longlegs that he responded to the one of the most. I think that's a sound of sensibility. Oh, big oh, daddy, for sure. yeah. big daddy, sure, yeah, for yeah, sure, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, what are your kind of fondest memories of recording that? Well, recording, making that film for making Daddy Longlegs. Yeah, oh, God, there was. I actually just remembered. Just recently, was there was a moment in the the, the scene in the car when they're driving mm. up. There's, there was all that. When he says, no music in yeah. the car, I'm allergic yes. to music. Yeah. <laughs> that whole. That, that guy's in on Cut he Gems. Did you catch yes, he plays the guy in the in the theater. No vacation. When he says, oh, no vacation. <laughs> yeah. That's, we grew up with that guy. His name is Aaron Topian. And he's a yes. Lebanese guy or a dad. Was, and he's also the, yeah, he's the guy. In the, well, uh, one the, second. That guy, <laughs> once, we came back to our apartment. Oh, my God. And uh, that's broken the, glass. Next to the next to the the um, we lived on the fourth floor of this apartment building, and there was broken glass. The door from was the, not was still locked though, so yeah. it was like, how did that happen? <laughs> the bro was broken glass from the terrace. And we're like, what happened? Nothing was missing, and it was before the days of cell phones, so it was just like, what? We didn't know what happened. Yeah. It was a mystery until Aaron called from Lebanon, called her <laughs> and be like, right. you have no idea what happened. You I know, locked the door. I left, and, and I, I left my passport yes. in the apartment. So I I climbed the building. Yeah, four wow. stories. Yeah, four he climbed stories. up. And then broke his way into the apartment, <laughs> got his passport, and left. Cause it's actually, I, I, and in that scene in, in Daddy Longlegs, he's a big guy as it is, and it's funny. Well, in the in the um, tiny Subaru, in the tiny Subaru, but in Daddy in the um, Uncut Gems, oh. when he's in the uh, the theater, I remember he had to actually have two seats because he was so big, you know, because his, <laughs> his legs were so long. But in Daddy Longlegs, we actually put him on phone books. Remember, yeah. we had to stay on phone books to get him higher. Yeah, we wanted him to look like. 
BFG <laughs> so, almost. But this guy. So the, in that scene, I remember when we were doing that, of course, like, what are you going to do? We have to direct the actors, so we're just going to be in the trunk of the car. It's this tiny super. <laughs> both of us are in that trunk. And then you flash forward to, uh, fast forward to My. Uncut Gems, and there's the scene where Howard's getting, like, attacked by all those guys. I'm like, oh, God. We, the SUV. The SUV. We're going to have to be close to that action. So we were in the trunk <laughs> of that car. Trunk. Yeah, both of us. I know, and this huge production is kind of like, why are you guys in the trunk? We have a follow <laughs> van with seven monitors. Yeah. Yeah. We have to be in the trunk. Uh, my, my fondest memory from Daddy Long is I was actually just remembering this. So the movie was produced by um, a friend of ours who I met. We met through the internet named Casey Neistat. <laughs> and he, it's funny, you know, like I, he and his brother were making work, and now Casey's gone on to become this, like, huge YouTuber, and and uh, he was, like, the ultimate hustler. You know, he just said, with Daddy Long, like, he's like, give me 48 hours, I'll get you the money for you. He's that type of a guy. <laughs> and then he, at a minute, at hour 47, he's like, all right, meet me on the corner of Worth and Broadway in your car. Pack for the weekend. I was like, where are we going? He's like, don't ask questions. This is going to get the money. <laughs> and then we, I remember we drove out to Long Island. We met Andy Spade and Andy Spade and Kate Spade, and we ended up uh, spending time with them. And, and anyway... Casey, as a producer of the movie, was also, as you can imagine, he's an adrenaline person. <laughs> so we have this scene in the movie. It's this nightmare scene. First of all, we spent a tenth of the budget recreating uh, the mosquito from the American Natural History Museum. Yes. Uh, because it was something that we was, tortured our minds as kids. And so we made this perfect uh, replica with a guy who did props for movies but also made a lot of money making sex toys. That as a mold. As you do. As you do. We went. I remember going to like check out the mosquito, yes. being like seeing tons of like plastic penises and vaginas, and I was just like, "What is that?" He's like, "That's how I make my money." I was like, "Oh, okay." He's like, no question. But he also a like, of the full like um, measurements of the mosquito because he too had obsessed with it as a kid. And then he's like, he prided himself. It took them ninety days to make that mosquito, and I did three of them in two weeks. No, it took him ninety days. It took them a year. Remember, he did it in ninety days. I don't remember. It was much longer. That anyway, was like... so we're shooting this this nightmare scene where we had this this we have three versions of the mosquito: one that can fly, one where the abdomen can 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 take blood, and then another one that he kills. It's actually, our first use of kills. CG. It was. It was our first use of CG. It, I remember. Daddy Long. Do you remember what we did to oh get the God. CG? We actually did a. I, I literally. Hold on. Hold on. We did. On. We did. Yes. We did. There was a guy named Andrew Zuccaro who, who knew how to do after use After Effects. He's like, oh, I can make get rid of the poles and the <laughs> but, strings and everything. But After Effects so, to wait. our style because we knew we didn't do we didn't do anything to we didn't make do any the special effects yeah. work. So we just had the footage. So we like, just had handheld 16 millimeter footage. But I remember we had to do. He's like, all right, I'll do it for free for you guys if you guys edit uh, edit and do the sound design to the to the to that. Commercial. He did some commercial for some like but we some. To, I remember it. pharmaceutical drug or something, <laughs> and actually he didn't pay, we ended up getting paid for that too, which was because amazing. it was no because we, we did insane. a lot more work. Yes, we I think we did like production design. We did a lot of stuff. He's like, if you help me do this, I'll help you do that. It was the, the days of bartering. And uh, <laughs> anyway, so I remember we were shooting this scene, and in the scene, a guy. It, it's it's a it's kind of like a a moment within a moment within a moment. So you think you're watching a dream, and then the character wakes up, and then he's in another dream, whatever. It's it's an expressive moment. But in the scene, uh, Ronnie's character is is watching this um he this mosquito is sucking the bloods from both of his kids, and then actually biting him. But then he's awoken by a, a robber kicking in the glass of his apartment building, and then he wakes up and he sees this person kind of run out of the window and scale up the building <laughs> and he and he sticks his head out the window. We actually shot that on 35th Street between uh, 5th Avenue and Madison. Casey. And Casey and I sat, we, I remember going up to the roof, we had access to the roof, the, 
person who owned this building had no we idea. We didn't have access and to the room. We didn't have found access yes. to the room. And, and our camera and our DP, uh, Brett Jukowicz, was Yudkovich. He was uh, he was like uh, we tied. We had all this belay gear, this mountain climbing gear. <laughs> so we anchored the camera person so he can hang over the thing. And Casey rappelled down the building. And actually was just a guy. If you looked up, all you saw was a guy in all black on the side of the building, illuminated by a massive neon sign for the hotel next door, the Metro Hotel. We had no other lighting. We just used that because it was so bright. And he's hanging three stories above 35th Street, kicking in this window and then having to climb up to the roof. And I remember shooting that and think, and like when you look back on it, you're like, we didn't know anything about you know, safety, like, I mean, we were all, like, Casey, like, you know, would do things, he would test it, we had all the right climbing gear, and you, you, you and his brother is actually now a big stunt coordinator, he shows up in The Irishman, actually, as, an, as oh, a stunt wow. guy, and he actually was a stunt coordinator on um, Good Time, and Dean nice that, so, like, there is a, there is, there obviously was, like, a history of, of, of knowing how to do that stuff, but it's crazy to think back on that. Well, yeah. And also, Brett was literally belated. I was looking for you, picture. but I was trying to find it because literally <laughs> Brett was Brett was hanging off the yeah, building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was crazy. Looking down. Was that was crazy. a fond memory. You're about to be dragged away from us, but one very oh, quick shoot. final question. I'm sorry. Uh, we talked all about no, that. No, this has been incredible okay. stuff. Uh, it's December when we're recording this. Of course, it's the time where we look back on the year, uh-huh. think about our highlights. And I wonder... Well, in our personal Little White Lies list, Uncut Gems is going to rank very highly, no spoilers. um, (laughs) Thank you, that's crazy. Are there any highlights from 2019 films you've seen that you'd recommend for our listeners? Oh, sure. I I love Parasite. Parasite was is a is a you know visionary movie. Irishman's great. I I I, um the the relationship between Cliff Booth and Rick Dalton is in Once Upon a Time (laughs) is, is very is amazing. I haven't seen everything. I still have. I liked Rob a lot, Pattinson a lot in in, um, in High Life, and I thought The Lighthouse was amazing. Um, was Midsommar a ma- had, you know, yeah. that opening of Midsommar is really... And, and, and that first tripping scene, the Maradona, Maradona documentary is yes. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, the beginning cool. to that, I was just like, holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. Like, the way it starts in the car, it's like that music, it's incredible. Uh, you know, we were so um, steeped in production uh, and hard, post yeah, of this year. movie, so we... <laughs> I haven't had an opportunity to see everything I wanted to see this year. There's a lot of stuff that, like, I haven't seen Maddie Diop's film yet, Atlantics. Oh, yeah. I I know I'm gonna. I like her shorts, so, you know, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that I I haven't seen yet that um, I'm sure is 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 gonna rank highly for me. But but yeah. But that sounds like a dozen <laughs> great movies. It's been nice for me doing interviews with other filmmakers, and the first thing they'll say to me, they see they see the pop socket and they go, "Oh my god, Uncut Gems, massive!" Like, Ryan Johnson, like I walked oh, really? into him for Knives Out, and he was like, "Amazing, the best film." Did he year. really? I liked. I saw yeah. Knives Out. That was cool. Yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, was, I haven't seen it. Yet. I'm excited for that though. That was. <laughs> it was good. Just like when you so think you're fun. ahead of the writing, it, it, <laughs> it looks like so much fun. Well, Lakeith, Lakeith did shot that movie right after shooting Gems. He's had a great year. And he texted me. I was like, "How's it going on the on the on Knives Out?" He's like, "It's funny. I'm I find myself slipping into the Damani character because he had no time really in between the projects, and the Damani character was like you know a lot. So that was funny. He's so straight laced in Knives Out. Yeah, he is so straight laced. I know. Well, he's a he's a true chameleon. You know, he yeah, is incredible. so incredible yeah, to watch. Gosh. Yeah, he's such a, he is such a serious performer. I love it. I can't wait to work with him again. Oh, I hope well, you guys do. Yeah, yeah. for sure. We will. Benny Josh, thank you so uh, much. Thank for you time. for having us. And I'm holding. That. I'm actually holding up a picture to the microphone so you guys can see it. <laughs> can I have another copy of the? I've, got, I've only. I've I, took, got I took three. Oh, you have three. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, Hannah, I'm still reeling from that chat with the Safdie brothers. We could have spoke about so much more. But I'm glad that we got what we did. I would just quite like to talk to them forever, though, you know, about everything. I mean, I don't want to gush too much on this podcast, but I think they really are two of the most kind of open filmmakers. Some filmmakers don't like talking about their process and their mm. craft, and they're the complete opposite. They love talking about what goes into the film. And that, for me, is fascinating. When you love a film, all you kind of want to do is talk to people about it. So going straight to the source like this was, was a, a real treat. And for people to be so sincere, energetic and earnest. And yeah, and they're so happy that you love the movie. And, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the same with Daddy Ongo, because I say in the podcast, it's my favourite of their films. Uh, probably on a tie with Uncut Gems now, I will say. Mm-hmm. It was really nice to talk to them about Daddy Ong Eggs as well. And I really hope people come along and see if we manage to secure that 35mm print on the uh, 9th of January at the Prince Charles. It'll be a, a nice evening and we'll be there doing another podcast about talking, the Safety Brothers. Talking more about the Safety Brothers. <laughs> exactly, yes. And of course... We do mention the end of year best films of 2019 list. You can check that out at lwlies.com and let us know what you think about Uncut Gems, about the Safdie Brothers, about our films of the year, the usual channels. That's at Truth and Movies on Twitter, Truth and Movies at tcolondon.com via email or at the comments section at lwlies.com slash podcast. Hannah, it's been a real journey today. It has. <laughs> Thank you for joining me. I'm Michael Leader, and as always, this has been a seven digital production. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 